0: Uh, Let's switch gears here. Back in on the NFL. Mark Schofield, uh, our QB analyst every week here on the People's Show. Touchdown Wire USA Today. And you can also check out his great breakdowns on YouTube and subscribe to his channel, Breaking Down Quarterbacks Around the NFL. Thanks for this, Mark. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, gentlemen. Um, And I just just have to say, Dan, get in the Chiefs with that ninth pick. Thank you, right? Value. I mean that that could be a nice steal right there. I got to say.
0: I know. I, I I have to lend it to my co-host for being uh, uh, well. Uh, to be blunt, dumb in I this situation. Couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't do it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't make that pick.
2: Yeah. So like, well, to, to be honest, uh, I I forgot that we're doing three teams <laughs> instead of four teams. I was seeing if I could get the Chiefs or the Browns on my fourth pick. So uh, I, I made a critical okay, error that, as GM. Okay, Sat. I'll,
1: I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I mean, I do like Sat overall. Just. Tripling down on the NFC because I do think that you know, you look at the, the, these two conferences right now, yeah. and I do think that the NFC, whoever comes out of the NFC, is going to be battle hardened and battle tested. I mean, it does look like overall, top to bottom, the NFC might be the better conference, but I just I like the idea of getting the Chiefs at nine because after that win Sunday with, with the way they sort of iced it with Mahomes finally making a play outside the pocket, which uh, that kind of moment that has eluded him to this point this season. That might be the sort of springboard moment where they can all sort of take a step back and realize, you know, we, we can figure this out. And even today Mahomes was meeting with the media and he said, you know, look, I, I've got to learn that we can punt. We can pin teams back. Our defense, they, they can make some plays for us. And I don't, I don't have to score a touchdown on every throw, every drive. Maybe the light has finally gone off in Kansas City, which would make that pick of the Chiefs in that ninth spot, a great one by Dan. Yeah, I, I,
0: I'm i looking forward to seeing how the Chiefs uh, – look, we're not confident in, in the team right now that's been to back-to-back Super Bowls here, but you know, there, there is still – you know, they're still five and four. Uh, even though they've been going through it, we all still believe in the talent of Patrick Mahomes. But you know, is there do, – do they need a other option? You know, they are one of the teams being linked with Odell Beckham Jr. right now. Is that something that would help this Chiefs offense get back to elite status? I think so, and I wrote
1: this today. I sort of looked at the three teams that people sort of think are really at the mix here. You know, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Saints. And I think when it comes to how Odell could fit in with that Chiefs offense, think about the things you could do because, you know, and Zach could back me up here. A lot of times in mm-hmm. Cleveland, Odell was kind of the backside big guy. Yeah. Right? You've got the three receiver concepts on one side. Mm-hmm. You've got Odell working himself open backside, but Baker wasn't getting his eyes to it. You know, the, the chiefs do some of that stuff where they get a backside option, whether it's a dig or vertical route. Odell could be that guy. And then front sides of the three receiver concept, you've got Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey. Like or, what do you do as a defensive coordinator? If you face that, you might want to still play that too high stuff. Okay. Well now you've got one safety over both Kelsey and Tyree Hill. That's going to be a little bit tougher on the numbers. Maybe you go single high, that gives you the opportunity to hit Odell on a vertical rope backside. Or you could do some stuff where you've got Odell and Tyree Kill to the one side. You do the Y-iso, tight end isolated stuff with Kelsey backside. There are a lot of ways you could play with those three receivers with Patrick Mahomes. Now, you could certainly do things like that in Green Bay. You know, I with him and Devontae Adams, but you know, it wouldn't be the, the kind of weaponry that you could see assembled around Patrick and Mahomes. And so, yeah, I think the idea mm-hmm. of Adams... Odell into that offense in Kansas City it's highly appealing to me you know and if you're a Chiefs fan I think it would be highly appealing to you as well.
2: Absolutely now the team I see I'm not sure the best fit but perhaps benefiting the team the most and perhaps benefiting Odell the most if it works out could be the New England Patriots because they do lack a high-end receiver now I know we talked about Odell not quite being the receiver he once was but regardless, he's still talented enough to be a good fit potentially with the Patriots. And that Patriots team, when Mac Jones is coming along, the defense is finding itself, the offense is looking better and better each week with the running game and Mac Jones getting more and more comfortable. I mean, what do you think of the Patriots as a whole and what they might look like if they do add a player like Odell?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, from the team perspective, from the wingers perspective, adding add an Odell would give them, you know, an, another threat in a sort of vertical passing game. You could do some stuff with him on the screen in the short area passing game as well, because Odell, you know, even this year and last year, maybe he's not the guy he once was, but you could still see him getting separation on slant routes, turning tunnel screens, smoke screens is a decent gain. And you could certainly incorporate him into the pass game that way. He'd give, you know, defenses something to worry about, something of a downfield threat that might open up space for guys like Hunter Henry underneath and Jacoby Myers underneath. And so from a team perspective, yeah it might make a ton of sense for New England to to try to sign Odell. From Odell's perspective, I mean, if he wants to go through, say, the Bill Belichick car wash, that might be beneficial for him. You know, we've seen that before where Belichick sort of signs a veteran player and, you know, that veteran player then can go on to get another deal as a result of some, some time spent with New England under Belichick. You know, it also might give him an opportunity to play for Belichick. There's been a lot of, you know, reported in the recent days about how these two have a mutual respect for each other, player and coach. So that could certainly work, you know, but if it comes to new England, it's not like they're going to run the offense through him. I mean, this is a Patriots offense that right now with Mac Jones still is really built in the pass game around the tight end to the running back. And he might step in and be wide receiver one, but he still might just get four or five targets a game. And, you know, you'd have to sort of deal with that. I think if he went to say new Orleans, he might get 15 targets a game. Now, you know, maybe he doesn't want to go to New Orleans, even though it would be sort of a trip home for him, a homecoming of sorts, having played at LSU, grew, grew up, born and raised in Baton Rouge. So maybe that would be appealing for him. But I think from New England's perspective, yeah, you add Odell to that offense. It gives you a dynamic receiving threat. It gives you an opportunity to stretch the field in one way, but then work guys underneath, you know, as a result of that. And it would certainly give Mac Jones a nice tour to play with.
2: Okay, the team that Odell left, you know, without him, Baker Mayfield made some good throws and you made some good decisions, but what did you think of that performance without Odell and the type of the offense that just, you know, he looked that much more comfortable without having Odell there on the roster?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the film and the numbers back it up where Baker is just a more comfortable and confident quarterback when he doesn't have Odell played with him. And you saw that Sunday. You saw it on... You know whether it was a touchdown to David Njoku, he had a throw early in the game to Chubb. He was aligned you know, outside the formation towards the boundary where he worked through multiple reads to get there. The deep shot to Donovan Peoples-Jones or the other vertical shot along the left side to Donovan Peoples-Jones where Baker just seemed comfortable, confident, decisive. He wasn't sort of forcing things. He wasn't forcing throws to Odell. It, he did seem like a much more complete passer in this game. And this has been a sort of theme. Six and thirteen never seemed to get on the same page during their time in Cleveland. The numbers backed it up. You know, Baker put up better numbers, more efficient numbers when he was playing without Odell, as opposed to when Odell was on the field with him. There were times when Baker wasn't looking in his direction. There were times when he did, and Odell had drops. There were times when the two couldn't connect. And I think ultimately, look, Kevin Stefanski, he wants to have this to be a, a sort of ball control play action passing game where they throw a lot of times out of heavier two and three tight end personnel packages, you know, maybe it's just a situation where you look at the numbers, you look at the quarterback performance and you just think, look, if we're going to be running two or one receivers up there anyway, we don't have to pay Odell so much money to be one of those guys who in some cases might just be a a vertical decoy. So you put it all together. I think we saw on Sunday why the Browns made this move.
0: Mark Schofield, our guest, QB Analyst Weekly here on The People's Show. Uh, Has the Baltimore Ravens pass game taken a step this year that we've been waiting for it to take?
1: I think so. I I think it has. And, you know, this isn't to say that, you know, Lamar Jackson has become wildly better as a passer. I I don't think that's fair because Lamar Jackson has been a very good quarterback since coming into the NFL. And, And a lot of the common criticisms about Lamar, you know, he he can't, he's not a good passer. He can't, you know, read a team from when they're coming from behind. He can't do things like that. He's slowly over the time he's been in, in the NFL chipped away at those. But what I think really has stood out this year about Lamar is, you know, if you wanted to say that there were final criticisms of, you know, he can't attack outside the numbers or he can't do some of the little things that the other elite quarterbacks do with his eyes, manipulated defenders and things like that. If you wanted to really say, okay, these are still boxes he needs to check, he's now checked those as a passer. You know, His ability to attack to the boundary or attack outside the numbers, his accuracy, his proficiency on those throws has really stood out this year. And then, look, what he's doing with his eyes, what he's doing from the mental side of the game, how he's working through reads and progressions and all of that, that certainly stands out. And, you know, he's got all these comeback wins this year. Another one against Minnesota this week where he's attacking downfield. He's attacking to the sidelines. He's moving people with his eyes. He's, you know, working through progression reads, sometimes getting front side to back side, then back to the initial side. He started the read on to make a throw. He did that for the, the, the tying touchdown late against Indianapolis. He did that on the throw to Mark Andrews, where it was basically right, left, right late to make that throw where if it were Tom Brady who had done that, if it were Matthew Stafford who had done that, there would be article about, after article after article written about the greatness of the read and the throw. And it's almost like we've gotten to the point where we almost take it for granted now with Lamar, similar to some of the Patrick Mahomes discussions we had years ago. And so, yeah, Lamar was a great quarterback coming into this league, coming into this year. But I think those other last two areas, right, the, the stuff with his mind and his eyes as well as outside the numbers – if you said those were incomplete coming into the season, you just check those boxes now. Uh,
2: Mark, one of the things that I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on is Justin Herbert and how he looked against the Eagles. I thought he was tremendous against the Eagles, but we have kind of seen him and that offense struggle a little bit week to week. What do you like th- I know we all like Staley and we like the plan he has. Do you think this year they may have been a bit too conservative with Justin Herbert at times? What do you think of the way they've been running their offense and how they're trending?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that they have been a bit too conservative. You look at Mm -hmm. route concepts, you look at passing charts, you look at his spray charts, and that's a lot of stuff at near line of scrimmage, you know, in that 0-10 to range, which you look at his success last year, and what really sort of put Justin Herbert on the map, was his ability to attack downfield, whether he was pressured or not, his ability to make high-leverage throws against the leverage of the nearest defender to all levels of the field, but in particular the more vertical passing game. And it's kind of taken a step away from that under their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. It's been a bit more, say, West Coast-influenced, where his average depth of target is on par with basically Mac Jones. And I don't think people are out there saying Mac Jones is some, you know, mad baller like Daryl LaMonica. They've kind of taken... Herbert and t- had them take a step back in terms of that aggression. Now, it worked against the Eagles, and part of the reason it worked was you watch that Eagles defense, you know, under Coach Gannon. They're, they're playing seven yards off on the corners. They're doing a lot of stuff where they're giving cushions and trying to keep stuff in front of them. Well, if you're going to ask your quarterback to throw hitches and, and and slants and quick game stuff, when you've got a seven-yard cushion to work with, that's going to work. That's why Herbert was able to complete 80% of his passes Um, against the Eagles on Sunday. But going forward, I do think they have to get back to sort of what put Herbert on the map. You know, let him push the ball downfield. Let him be aggressive. They've got some beautiful designs in their playbook. We saw some of that against the Cleveland Browns, right, some of those deep shot throwback elements. He has the arm. That's what really put him on the map last year, sort of let him be more aggressive downfield, attack downfield. That's his strength as a quarterback right now. Your offense might sort of generally be designed to attack underneath, But Justin Herbert is built for a modern vertical passing game. Let him run that.
2: The other L.A. team had some struggles against the Titans this past week in prime time. And uh, just looking at Matt Stafford and that situation, is the offensive line a problem there? And is that a danger sign for Matt Stafford going forward?
1: I think it's more that the Tennessee Titans right now might have the best front four in football. Um, You look at Landry, you look at Autry, you look at the guys that they have up front they can do the you know, quintessential get pressure with four, drop seven into coverage, and they can get after you that way. And, you know, we've seen it the past couple of weeks. What the Titans have been able to do up front on the defensive side of the football is going to cause problems for teams. Now that is a defense that many people had questions about coming into the season. It was a defense that struggled last year, but with the ability that they have right now that Tennessee has to get pressure with four up front, that's going to be tougher for many teams. Now, Do the Rams have some issues, you know, up front? Yeah. I mean, you know, they rely a lot on five-man protection schemes, a lot of empty formations, three-by-two stuff, and that can work for them at times. But against a team with that front, you know, they're going to have to make some adjustments. Now, from the Rams' perspective, you look at their remaining schedule, they probably won't see a team with that kind of ability. I think they play Arizona week 14 or 15 later this season. Arizona can do some stuff you know, similar to what Tennessee does with, you know, the guys that they have, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, and others. And then maybe if you think about a potential playoff matchup against, say, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay might be able to get pressure with four. So those teams could potentially give the Rams some trouble, similar to Tennessee. But other than that, you know, I think this is more a case of the Tennessee Titans have a very good defense, particularly up front, and we need to be talking more about that unit more than anything else.
2: Mark, uh, before we let you go, a couple of key questions we always throw by you before the end of the segment, and the first one is: What was the throw of the week in Week Nine action in the NFL?
1: I mean, for me, it was just it was just great to see it. It was Justin Fields. It was a touchdown late. I mean, you could say the seam route earlier to Jimmy Graham, but it was a touchdown late, which was kind of the culmination of that moment where it's like, all right. The Bears may end up losing this game, and yes, they ultimately did end up losing that game, but you could see that and and see the light sort of go off where it's like, man, they've got the guy. Like, Justin Fields has it. Like, to to drive that team down the field in that environment in that situation and to put it away with a touchdown rolling to your left making that throw, that was an okay. Everybody calm down in Chicago. You guys got the guy. Now you got to figure out how to bring him along. But, yeah, Fields is going to be your guy for the next five or ten years.
0: And your matchup of the week, what is it?
1: I mean, I I think it's late Sunday. It's Seattle, it's Green Bay. Do we get Aaron Rodgers back? We got uh, Mr. Unlimited coming back. The pin's been removed. (laughs) Russell Wilson. I mean, if we do get a Russell Wilson-Aaron Rodgers game, I think that will be certainly a lot of fun to watch.
0: A hundred percent. And we'll see how how that would go. Seahawks need all the help that they can get right now. Thanks for this, Mark, as always. We'll talk next week. Enjoy the games.
1: Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week.